Welcome to the Charlotte Shields Coaching Podcast. I have real answers from real spouses of how to uplevel your marriage, even if you've lost hope. You can be the spouse you want to be, and you'll feel appreciated, cared for, and desired again. Let's create your marriage miracle. It's simple, but not easy. Nothing worth having ever is. Stick around to learn what it takes to create the marriage you've always dreamed of. Hey, all. A client shared a talk by Mark Palmer this week called Then Jesus Beholding Him Loved Him. She said it reminded her a lot of what I'd said on my podcast number 33 last week about the rich young ruler. So Mark Palmer expounded on what I shared with four lessons to help us love better. I'm going to share his four ideas and add to them and how they apply to our marriage relationship. Number one, as we learn to see others as the Lord sees them, rather than with our own eyes, our love for them will grow. And so will our desire to help them. We will see potential within others they likely do not see in themselves. With Christ-like love, we will not be afraid to speak with boldness, for perfect love casteth out fear, and we will never give up, remembering that those who are hardest to love need love the most. What if we could imagine our spouse's potential? What if we could see them even better than they see themselves? Elder wrote Rasband spoke at our stake recently. One thing he said that really struck me that Mark Palmer also said was that failure only occurs when we give up. It's only when we stop trying or give up that we have failed. So let's not give up on ourselves, our spouses, or our marriage. Our most important work is to keep making efforts to love. The two greatest commandments to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves are the chief goal. In Matthew 22, 40, Jesus tells us that on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This statement is profound. Of all the many teachings we're learning in the New Testament, we aspire to remember and emulate Jesus. But loving, and I'd also add to not judging, are what we are here to learn to do best. When we learn to love our spouse as God loves, we can give them mercy and grace. When we're not help, when they aren't helping us or they lose their temper, we give them grace. When they do things differently than we would around the house, we give them grace. This is not to say that we don't create boundaries or make everything okay all the time. When they lead their things around the house, we may feel a little bit annoyed and we can just allow that emotion. Every hard moment is an opportunity to give you and your spouse grace. It looks something like this. Next time you cancel, you cancel our plans at the last minute, I'm going to go by myself. I understand that things come up and I'm so glad you're here now. I'd rather go with you, but I don't want to miss out next time. This doesn't mean that I love you any less. Conversations where you show love to your spouse while having your own back can really change the dynamics in your marriage. When you change how you show up, often they change how they show up. Are you able to show grace when your spouse makes a mistake without attacking them? Are you able to get curious enough to not make it personal? When you do make it personal, is this perception true? Like they really don't care about you or they really don't love you or they haven't thought about you. Often it's not. 
I have a client whose husband brings her food that is not on her protocol. Right now she is trying to take better care of her body, but it's his way to show love because she has health goals she's working on. This causes her resentment because she repeatedly eats what he brings her, even though she repeatedly asks him to stop. In the past, she ate the food to accept his gift and not to be ungrateful. She didn't want to cause any rift between them. So she just decided that the way that she's going to show gratitude is to not eat the food, but express gratitude. So she says in the future, she'll thank him for thinking of her, but she's going to tell him the whole truth that she really appreciates the gesture, but she's going to eat just one bite or not eat any at all. She loves him, but she also loves her body and wants to take care, better care of it. Being honest feels so much better. Often I've seen with couples that when they think they're, they think that being honest is going to cause anger and to even like make them separate even more and have more disconnection. But when you tell your spouse the truth in kindness, and usually this has to be practiced for something that you're getting resentful over. You don't tell them the truth in order to change them. You tell them the truth to take full responsibility for your life and your choices and to be uh, an emotional adult to understand that your emotions are caused by you. So boundaries made in love won't separate us further. This is what I've seen. They will increase intimacy over time. So in the beginning, your spouse might be angry that you didn't eat the food or that you didn't do certain things the way you always have and dance that same dance, but it's only temporary. The approach that works to create the intimacy you crave between you and your spouse is to have your own back from a place of love and tell the truth. What's awesome is they might start even being able to tell their truth to you. When you have the courage to lead the way by creating honesty between you and your spouse, it's a beautiful thing. What if you could tell your spouse when you felt scared, sad, angry, or hurt without blame? What if you could practice having conversations that exposed your vulnerability? What if it didn't mean that you, they needed to get it and change so that you could feel better? What if your motive was really just to show love to yourself, love to them and create connection? Number two is no true teaching or learning will ever occur when done in frustration or anger and hearts will not change where love is not present. Whether we act in our role as parents, teachers, or leaders, true teaching will happen only in an atmosphere of trust rather than condemnation. Our home should always be safe havens for our children and IDAD spouses, not hostile environments. Our relationships with our spouses and others are just our thoughts between us. This means that my marriage is based on my thoughts about my spouse and his thoughts about me. This is a hundred percent in our control as a couple. Our thoughts are optional and create our feelings towards each other. I can decide how I want to think about my husband at all times, regardless of what he says or does. I can decide to think loving thoughts and say loving things. If my husband doesn't text me or doesn't appreciate me or spends time on his hobbies instead of me, I don't want to get upset about this. I want my husband to want to remember me and spend time with me when he wants to. When he feels obligated, it doesn't feel good anyway. I don't want to feel like I have to give him a guilt trip in order to make myself 
feel better. So I consciously decide that my husband loves me very much, that we have an amazing relationship and that he never needs to behave a certain way for that to be true. What's weird and counterintuitive is that this belief frees me up to love my spouse unconditionally. I love him and give him freedom, which he has anyway. And it is only then and only then that I've noticed that he actually makes more of an effort in our relationship. My goal is to love and accept him right where he is at. I appreciate any small gesture he makes. I notice and compliment him for what he does for me and our family. I don't make anything he says or does mean that he doesn't love or care about me or that he doesn't respect me. These types of thoughts make it really hard for me to speak and act in a loving way. So decide how you want to be with your spouse. Who do you want to be for them? What would you, how would you like to behave? What are you not willing to do? What are you willing to do? Where are you not telling the truth? Where do you feel resentment building between you? When you've taken a look at these things, consciously and deliberately decide how you want to show up no matter what. Instead of looking at the problems in your marriage, what are some solutions? How can we practice making our issues into us against the world instead of us against each other? Work together to solve the problem instead of making it into an issue that causes harm and blame. Number three, Love should never, never be withdrawn when a child, friend, or family member fails to live up to our expectations. We don't know what happened to the rich young man after he went away sorrowful, but I'm confident Jesus still loved him perfectly, even if he chose the easier path. Perhaps later in life, as he found his great progressions hollow or possessions, he remembered and acted on the singular experience of his Lord beholding him, loving him, and inviting him to follow him. This applies to marriage amazingly. Stop trying to control. I am a recovering control freak. I have tried to control everything in my life. Mostly I've tried to control my husband and my kids. And I do this because I want them to do it a certain way so I will feel better. I'm still a work in progress, but my family will tell you that I have made great strides in this area. I can't control other people. It doesn't work. And it is so frustrating when I tried and failed, I made myself so unhappy. I also made the people I love most miserable. But what does controlling and manipulating look like? You're probably thinking, oh, I don't do that. Well, you explain how your family should treat you. You tell them how to do things. You let them know where things belong. You tell them that they forgot to wipe off the counter when they cleaned with the, the kitchen or they left their shoes on the floor. You tell them they should drive a certain way or go a certain a path, you tell them they need to be kinder or quit forgetting something. You basically make sure they know how to be a better human. No one was better at telling their spouse or kids how to be than me. What a shock to learn that I was the one with the issue. By trying to control them, I had a lot to work on. I learned that peace came when I stopped trying to control and started intentionally practicing not controlling. When I let my husband start to be who he wanted to be, I felt so much better. When I replaced my control with what, with what was getting really hard and making it into a work of learning to control myself to doing the mental work of how would I like to feel about this and how can I think about this so that I will feel that way? I just changed everything. 
I can still communicate my preferences. I put it out in the universe. I let everyone know what I would love. I don't assume they already know. I frequently bring up my hopes and dreams for my life and for them. I'm not trying to manipulate them into doing what I want. I just share. And without expectation, it feels great. There's no downside to expressing my desires. I don't withdraw my love when it doesn't happen. I make it happen for myself or I just let it go. There's a huge difference in trying to control how someone else behaves and freaking out when they don't behave. What we want to do is to throw away our manuals for how people should be and how they should live in our presence. And just because we have idealized versions of ourselves and others doesn't mean that anyone has to conform to it or that what we believe just makes it true and right. One thing I notice very often is people trying to somehow believe that they control another's emotions and they think that something that they do will change another's emotions. This is another part of control that's super important to remember. And that is that their emotions, like your spouse, it is controlled by their thoughts, not by anything that you do. So I have a client who is planning on a long road trip with her husband and her kids. And in the past, he's gotten really frustrated and angry with the kids in the car. They have a baby who's going to cry. They have older kids that may argue. And so she is causing herself tons of anxiety by her thoughts, which are, I need to fix this. I need to make sure the kids don't argue. I need to make sure the baby doesn't cry. I've got to have all the right toys and treats and all the things so that I can manipulate or control his emotions. But is that even possible? It's not, right? So what is her work to do in this situation? Her work to do is just to manage her own emotions around his emotions. If you would like to join me in letting go of control, try to manage your mind in small spurts. Practice not saying a word about how your spouse is driving on an excursion. Practice not saying anything when he yells at the kids on a long road trip. Don't comment about how much they ate or didn't eat. Or don't get into what they should have done when they walk in late. Anything in the past has already happened and can't be changed. When we fight against reality, we create even more frustration. If you're always right and you always know better than your spouse, I guarantee you will be in a miserable marriage. You're creating issues for both you and your spouse. If you're always people-pleasing and not taking care of you, you will not have a great marriage. Resentment will brew for years. It is not like brushing. It is like not brushing your teeth for years and wondering why you have so much plaque on your teeth. It accumulates. Start to express what you need in a loving way. Be truthful. Vulnerability takes tons of courage but discomfort is the currency to your dream marriage. Number four, because he loves us, the Lord expects much of us. So instead of us expecting much of others, let's expect something of ourselves. If we're humble, we will welcome the Lord's invitations to repent daily, to sacrifice, to serve as evidence of his perfect love for us. After all, an invitation to repent is also an invitation to receive the wonderful gift of forgiveness and peace. He's trying to give us peace. He's trying to help us in these really, really hard relationships. 
Therefore despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He loves you. That's why he wants you to learn what you can do to feel better. The concepts I've shared take time and patience. It will be a lifetime and into eternity until I am perfect at any of it. When I feel that I'm asked to do something really hard, like give up a poor habit or change the way I think or praise my spouse when I want to critique, forgive, speak my truth, I think of how the Lord is beholding me. He's loving me and inviting me to let go of things that don't work and to follow him. I thank him for loving me enough to ask more of me. My sacrifices really end up blessing me and giving me more peace and happiness in my life. We have got this. We can do this. We can have more joy in our marriages. We can be more like the savior. Seek and expect miracles because they are happening. I hear many miracles every week as I coach my amazing clients. If you're ready to do this work, set up a free mini session at charlotteshieldscoaching.com. Let's figure out where you're stuck. Eight half hour sessions can change everything. I see it all the time. All right. Have a great week and see you next time.